You know, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind. And while Old Testament prophets did on occasion perform miracles, even miracles of healing, none of them caused the blind to see. Restoring sight to the blind, however, was our Lord's most frequent miracle, and for good reason. Giving sight to the blind was not only an act of compassion, it was even more importantly a demonstration that Jesus was the one who could open eyes spiritually as the light of the world. And that's exactly what Jesus did for the man who had been born blind and who therefore became the focus of theological concern for the disciples. When they saw him, they wanted to know who sinned, the man or his parents. As we discovered last week, Jesus simply responded, neither. And then went on to make it clear that the important issue was doing something for the man, not trying to determine who was to blame for his condition. Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me. And then declared, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He then proceeded to heal the man, opening not only physical eyes, but spiritual eyes as well. By healing him, Jesus enabled the man to see him as a man. But it didn't stop there. He then came to see Jesus as a prophet, and ultimately he came to see Jesus as his Lord. Let's watch as this unfolds, and let's pray for our eyes to be opened as were his. We pick up the account after Jesus' initial response to the disciples' question, and after telling them, we must work the works of him who sent me. Continuing in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. Therefore they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. Now, the big question in everyone's mind must surely be, why the spit? You know, why did Jesus make clay with his spit and put it on the man's eyes? You know, every, every kid who has had a mom lick a finger and wipe a dirty spot off their face knows how gross spit is. 
Well, I hate to tell you, but Jesus outdid our moms in this regard. We know of at least two other times when he applied spit while healing someone. He applied it to the eyes of another blind man at Bethesda and to the tongue of a man who couldn't speak. Now, why did he do something that seems so gross and unsanitary to us? The answer probably lies in the fact that to the ancients, saliva was thought to have medicinal value. Pliny, an ancient Greek writer, wrote an entire chapter on the medicinal use of spittle. He wrote that it was an effective treatment for snake bite, epilepsy, leprosy, and a crick in the neck. And that if it were applied every morning to the eyes, it would cure ophthalmia, an eye disease. Jesus may have used it to simply let the man know that he was going to heal his eyes. He may have noticed he didn't say anything about healing him. He just spat on the ground, made clay, put it on the man's eyes, and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, John makes a point of telling us that Siloam means scent. And there may be a couple of reasons for that. Siloam was a pool into which water was sent by an underground aqueduct, and the man was being sent to the pool. So he went. He didn't ask questions. He simply went where he was sent and did what Jesus told him to do. Apparently, he had heard of Jesus and was willing to do whatever he said, whether it made sense to him or not. I have to admit, I really like that kind of faith. You know, he could have argued, well, man, the pool's a long way off, and it's not easy for a blind man to walk through the city streets. Or, you know, if I leave, I'm going to miss out on some contributions. It's going to cost me to go. Why not just heal me and forget this idea about washing in a pool? Kind of sounds like those who refuse to be baptized, doesn't it? But this man didn't argue. He simply did what Jesus told him to do and came back seeing. His neighbors couldn't believe it. Some couldn't even believe it was really him and suggested this man was the blind man's twin. But he wasn't, and they knew it. Once the initial shock wore off, they asked how his eyes had been opened. And he told them, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and received my sight. Apparently, this man, Jesus, was responsible for his being able to see. There was no other explanation. Now, he doesn't actually claim that Jesus healed him, nor does he make any claims about who this Jesus must be. He simply identifies the man responsible for his being able to see, and the people wanted to see this man. Where was he? He didn't know, and he wouldn't have been able to point him out if he'd been standing next to him. He had never seen Jesus. He had apparently just overheard someone in the crowd say it was Jesus who had put some clay on his eyes. He really didn't know that much about Jesus, only what he had heard about him and what he had done for him. 
was obvious that Jesus had healed him. He could see. His physical eyes were opened. Even more importantly, his spiritual eyes were beginning to open. And before long, he would come to see Jesus was much more than just a man. In the midst of the confrontation with the Pharisees, he would come to see Jesus as a prophet sent from God. It's a rather lengthy account, but let's stay focused and watch as it plays out. They brought to the Pharisees him who was formerly blind. Now, it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, well, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. They said, therefore, to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews, therefore, did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them, saying, is this your son? who you say was born blind, how then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He shall speak for himself. His parents said this, because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He therefore answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. They said, therefore, to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? And they reviled him and said, you are his disciple." But we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where he's from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. This man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? And they put him out. <laughs> Why the man was brought to the Pharisees, we don't know. Perhaps the neighbors thought the religious leaders would rejoice at a miracle taking place. Or maybe they wondered if it was okay 
to heal on the Sabbath. Whatever their motive, the Pharisees were very interested in the details of this case, and they asked the man what had happened. I love his answer. He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. That's all he said. But it was enough. Immediately, some of the Pharisees declared that Jesus was not from God because he had not kept the Sabbath. They didn't even consider the fact that a miracle had been performed. All they could see was that their rules about observing the Sabbath had been broken. It was forbidden to make clay on the Sabbath. And there was even a law on the books stating that fasting spittle, the pure medicinal kind that didn't have any food particles in it, couldn't be put on eyelids on the Sabbath. <laughs> no work could be done on the Sabbath. And no one could be healed on the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. Surely, they concluded, this man can't be from God. He disobeys God. At least, their interpretation of God's law. Others, however, questioned how a sinner could perform such signs. That just didn't make sense to them. So they argued for a while and finally decided to ask the man his opinion of Jesus. Apparently, after hearing them debate the matter, he concluded that Jesus must be a prophet. That was the only answer that made sense now that he thought about it. The Pharisees couldn't buy that, even if it did make sense. And to avoid the logical conclusion, they decided to try to discredit the whole story. So they called in the man's parents and asked, is this your son? And was he really born blind? And if so, how can he now see? They affirmed that he was indeed their son, and yes, he had been born blind. But they denied any knowledge of how he had come to see. Now, if the man's neighbors knew what had happened, no doubt his parents knew. They just didn't want to say. They didn't want to get involved in the debate. After all, the Pharisees had already made it known that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be put out of the synagogue, would be excommunicated. So they claimed ignorance and said, ask him. He's of age. So the Pharisees again directed their attention to him, only this time, they didn't ask his opinion. Instead, they demanded, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. You know, he completely ignored their insistence that Jesus, who was obviously a sinner because he broke the Sabbath, couldn't possibly be the one responsible for his healing and simply said, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. He couldn't answer all the theological questions, but he did know one thing. He knew what Jesus had done for him. So he gave testimony to what he did know. We would all do well to learn from that. We might not be able to answer all the questions asked of us about our faith, but we can tell anyone what Jesus has done for us. And sometimes that's the most powerful testimony of all. Well, apparently 
This man's testimony so flabbergasted the Pharisees that all they could think to do was ask him again what had happened. And he responded, I think, tongue-in-cheek, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? In the midst of the debate, he had apparently decided now to become a disciple of Jesus. Here was someone worth listening to, someone worth following. Maybe they wanted to become his disciples too. Well, they rebuked him for his impotence and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he's from. He took their admission of ignorance as an opportunity to embarrass them further by saying, well, here's an amazing thing that you do not know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He was now convinced. He had decided that the evidence proved that Jesus was indeed from God. The Pharisees couldn't contradict the evidence, so they did what those in authority do when they can do nothing else. They pulled rank on him and charged that he was nothing but a sinner and had no business trying to teach them and put him out. They kicked him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him. His convictions led to his being excommunicated from their fellowship. But I've got a feeling he was more than willing to leave. There's no sign of remorse on his part, nor did he plead with them to reconsider. His eyes were being opened to the truth about Jesus. He now knew that Jesus was more than a man. He was obviously sent from God as a prophet, and maybe, maybe more. In fact, he was on the very verge of seeing Jesus as his Lord. Let's read on. Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, and who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one who's talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, We see, your sin remains. I think it's beautiful that when Jesus heard that the man had been kicked out of the synagogue, he went looking for him. Why? Not only to encourage him, but I think he went to deepen his faith, to confirm that he had taken the right stand 
and to carry him just a little further to a fuller understanding of just who Jesus really was. Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, some translations have Son of God here, and some later manuscripts do put it that way, but the best manuscripts have Son of Man, and that was Jesus' most common way of referring to himself. And while it may not seem as exalted as Son of God, it was definitely a messianic title, and the man knew it. But he wasn't sure who Jesus was talking about. Who was the Messiah? If Jesus would point him out, the man would believe in him. He already knew enough about Jesus to trust him. Jesus responded by saying, you've both seen him, and he is the one who's talking with you. That was Jesus' humble way of saying, I am he. I am the Messiah. And the man immediately confessed him as Lord and worshipped him. His eyes had now been fully opened. He was no longer blind in any sense of the word. Jesus had come to open the eyes of those who did not see and to declare as blind those who would not see. The Pharisees fell into that later category and they knew it. When they heard what Jesus had to say about blindness, they were offended. They challenged him by crying out, we're not blind too, are we? But they were. Because they did not want to see the truth. Even when it was standing right in front of them. They weren't willing to admit their blindness when the light of the world was shining in their face. But they couldn't see him. Their self-serving sin had blinded them to the truth because they did not want to see it. They didn't want their spiritual eyes opened. They liked living in a dark world they had helped create and sought to perpetuate. And since they refused to acknowledge their blindness, even the Messiah could not bring the promised sight their blind eyes. Indeed, a man must acknowledge his spiritual blindness before Jesus can enable him to see. As Ray Stevens put to song, no man is so blind as he who will not see. What about you this morning? What do you see? When you look at Jesus, do you see a man, a great man, perhaps the greatest man to ever live? If that's all you see, you're spiritually blind. Even if you're willing to acknowledge that he was sent from God with a message for mankind, that he was the greatest prophet to ever walk the face of the earth, you are still spiritually blind. If you don't see Jesus as God in the flesh and the coming King of kings and Lord of lords, if you don't bow before him and make him your Lord and Savior and your Master, you are still a blind man.
And unless you're willing to confess your inability to see, without the healing touch of Jesus to your eyes, you will remain eternally blind to the most important reality of life. If you've not done so, now is the time to cry out to Jesus, open my eyes that I may see. If you'll do that, your eyes will be opened. And you'll not only see the greatest man to ever live and the one all the prophets foresaw, you'll see your Lord and your Savior. Now you might wonder, why am I saying this to us? <laughs> We're here every Sunday, most of us. We know who Jesus is. We said he's our Savior. But you know, sometimes we lose sight of his claim on our life without, without even thinking about it. We reduce him to just a great man that we come and remember on Sunday. We think of him as someone who was sent from God to tell us some good news. But we close our eyes to the fact that he came to be our Lord. He came to change us, to enable us to see him as he really is, to be confronted face to face with the King of kings and Lord of lords. We sing about him. We use his name. We pray to him. But do we understand who he is? Do we bow before him every day? If we don't, we're blind. We're blind. We're like the Pharisees who said, oh, I'm not blind. But you are. If you don't bow before the King of Kings and acknowledge who Jesus is. You're blind if you refuse to acknowledge the change he wants to make in your life. You're blind if you say, I'm good enough. You're not. You're blind unless your eyes have been fully opened to the glory of the risen Christ. I pray. I pray that our eyes are opened. And if they're not, ask God to open them now. Okay? Let's stand.